Hello everyone and welcome back to Messy Monday Hem, the podcast series where we discuss all things lean, mean, green, seen, and unseen on a quest for old and new knowledge and truth. I'm your host, Andy Salamini, and today I'm joined by author and co-worker Mark Davis. Um, we're going to be discussing a little bit about the writing process and um, Mark himself who has written some stuff. How are you, Mark? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day today sunny out you know yeah totally not raining at all it's been great all week yeah perfect weather here in <laughs> seattle pennsylvania um and perfect setting to do this interview as well i might add yeah um, it's too bad that they can't see it because this is this is quite the sight <laughs> so um <laughs> to get started here mark can you just tell me a little bit about yourself where are you from yeah uh, i'm from pennsylvania well that's where i was born but i lived up in here in northeast pennsylvania oh did i say pennsylvania i meant philip delphia Philadelphia is where I was from, and I lived up here during my high school career in Northeast Pennsylvania in the Poconos. Mm -hmm. So that was so exciting with all of the things to do up here if you're a teenager. So great. (laughs) Yeah, I know that living up here as a teenager is really not much to do. Where did you go to school? I went to North Pocono for high school, and then I had to do another year of senior year in Wampawpack because I didn't do my senior project. So everyone oh. remember to do your senior projects or you, they don't let you graduate. And that's what I'm doing right now, exactly. ladies and gentlemen. So I'm glad <laughs> I could help with that. <laughs> um, so I want to get right into it because I'm really curious. So uh, tell me about your book. Okay, so I'm working on a novel right now. Uh, it's called Demigod, and it's about this... She's not really a succubus, but she's like a succubus, and she gets sent by this divine god creature to like find some kind of protector for the planet because the planet's in trouble, you know, that old spiel. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets sidetracked and finds uh, someone in high school by accident who ends up becoming this defender. And, you know, obviously there's more intricate things happening, but that's the gist of it. Uh, and I actually have a website where the first three chapters are going to be by the time anybody hears this podcast. Mm-hmm. The first two are already up, and then I'm working on the third one tonight, so it's really exciting. I just want to leave them up there as a sample for right. everyone. Yeah, well, you heard it here first, guys. Everybody go read Mark. Oh, I should probably give them the name of the website. That's Might Mark. Be helpful. Yes, markdaviswriting.com. <laughs> Super easy name to remember. Okay. Yeah. Um, so getting a little bit more into writing itself and like your background with it, how old were you when you started writing? I started when I was like 10. That was like the first thing I wrote. I drew a little comic. Uh, I saw, uh, I don't know if anybody's read the Captain Underpants books in oh, your grade. Yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. I read that and it made me want to draw a comic book with a superhero mm-hmm. based off, well not based off it, but I was inspired. I named my character Captain Krusty. Oh, yeah, he, he was he was legit, legit superhero written by a ten year old. Did you enjoy like literature and English in school? I did, but it was tough when I had to write things that they would make me write. Like I wasn't really good with papers. I'm more, and I was more of a creative writer. So mm-hmm. in creative writing, I flourished. But uh, I got like C's and B's in English class just because they would ask for a topic and I would write something and they wouldn't like what I wrote because it was too uh, off topic, I guess. It's Mm -hmm. not really the best word, but you know. Yeah, so that being said, did you like learn anything that helped inspire you to be the writer that you are now in English? Oh, definitely. Uh, I had a class, you're in North Pocono? I'm in Western Wayne. Oh, okay. There's a teacher in North Pocono, uh, Mrs. Featherby, her name is, and I had her my senior year the first time. And she showed... I never really read Shakespeare up until that point, but she showed me Macbeth mm-hmm. and Hamlet. And those were, like, huge for, like, just a young writer to just read and be like, wow, this is good. And it's, like, the history behind it and Shakespeare just being, you know, the god at writing that he is. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really... That's what I liked. I liked literature more than English because I got to actually read in class without, like, getting yelled at for it. I like to read more, too. Yeah. More so than like writing but I, I take AP I take AP English nice. and, and I mean like what you mean like I love creative writing I don't like essays and mm-hmm. papers they're so boring because it's like you, you have, have to write to... it by the by the exact letter yeah. of the rule like your margins have to be perfect and it has to be certain it, font size yeah like you can't put whatever you want it yeah. has to follow something and yeah. there's a lot more restriction on it that I don't like mm-hmm. but and... yeah in AP English we um we write an essay like 
sometimes multiple essays a week. Right. And so it's hard and it's boring. But we, I like when we read. We don't. I wish we read more. Right. Like um, another one that I read in a senior year, Animal Farm, was mm-hmm. a great book that I never would have known about if I didn't have to read in school, because uh, it's just called Animal Farm. And as a kid, you're just like, oh, I don't want to read about an animal farm, really. But then they make you read it, and it's like, oh, this is good. But the, I feel like the things that they make kids read are just—they're really—they're good works of literature, but they're just so boring. I don't want to say boring, but to kids, they're pretty boring. Like, uh, it's kind of tough to read through Shakespeare if you're in high school, because you're, you're usually reading other things by that point, like fiction, I would say. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Shakespeare's fiction, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Easier, easier reading level than Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, this is a question I'm sure every author gets, but where do you find inspiration for your writing? This is the most cliched answer, but everywhere. It's like... If you're a writer, you're pretty much always writing, and they always say that, but they only say it because it's totally true. Like, I just go outside sometimes, like, up here, especially in North Pocono, uh, not North Pocono, in the Pocono Mountains, it's just beautiful all year round, and I just walk around, and nature is my biggest, if I'm not reading something, definitely nature is mm-hmm. the biggest inspiration for me, especially in fall. It's like, the trees around here look like a painting, it's incredible. I take pictures of them and put them on my Instagram. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of find that I model my writing after, like, things that happen to mm-hmm. me, like, experiences, and I'll base something that happens and something I write off of an experience that I had, and maybe I'll even, like, incorporate it so that a character does the same thing or right. has the same experience, or maybe the outcome is different, like, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's really, it's good to take from experiences you have, because you go through that experience, and you know how you reacted, and how you could have reacted, and it's like, you paint another picture of that experience through your characters. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I do, anyway. It's like, I, ch- I try to connect with my characters as much as I can, so if I put them in a situation that I've already been in, I usually try to make them handle it differently than I did, mm-hmm. because it makes for a better story most of the time. I guess right. my decisions haven't been very good for <laughs> stories. <laughs> um, what was the first, like, real work that you, like, wrote? Like, what was the first thing you wrote? So, I wrote an article about why I'm an Eagles fan. I watch football, like, uh, NFL. Okay. And I wrote an article about it. I'm a Giants fan, so I don't like you. Oh, uh, that's... Well, at least you're not a Cowboys fan. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we, can, we can agree that they're worse. Yes. <laughs> but I wrote an article about why I think that Eagles fans are a little bit different than other fans uh, of teams around the league. And I have that on my website as well. It's under articles for football. Um, that was the first thing I ever like wanted people to see. That was I put it on my website first. Uh, I have a few more articles on there too, like about video games and stuff like that. Uh, but that, that was like... Because I'm really passionate about football, so I thought that would be a good thing to like start with, like uh-huh. you know. Um. So what? What makes Eagles fans different? Uh, passion, definitely passion. They take it way more seriously to the point where they take it so seriously that everyone else around the league hates them. <laughs> My dad would totally agree with you there. Yeah. He always, he always says he hates Eagles fans because they're obnoxious. They a lot of them get a, they give us a bad reputation, uh, because. The camera is always on the rowdy ones, the ones who are, like, throwing batteries and throwing snowballs at Santa. But in actuality, they just... They're having a really good time in a drunk Philadelphian citizen fashion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not like they're going out to try to hurt people. They're just like, you know what? We're going to have a good time. We're going to scream that your team sucks. And we'll scream that our team sucks, too, when we think they suck. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um... So, like, we were talking about how we model our writing after experience. Do you Mm -hmm. find that you base your characters off of, like, yourself? Uh, in my... A lot of my characters... Like, my main characters don't really have a lot of me in them. But they have a lot of what I would want to be in Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Like, uh... Not really ideal, because every character has flaws. So I'm not gonna make a perfect character, because there's not really one. But, um... Most of me, I put myself in the supporting characters usually, like, sometimes if I do something that I think maybe I shouldn't have done, I'll have an antagonist do something similar. Mm-hmm. Or if I get into, like, an argument with a stranger on the street, which doesn't really happen, but, you know, sometimes people are unpredictable, mm-hmm. I'll put that situation into the writing and see how 
I handled it as, I spoke about it earlier, as how I handled it as opposed to how the character handles it. Mm -hmm. Because I try to make my characters different, like, they all have individual stories and, like, they have lives that I'm not, like, that have led up to where their point is in the story, so it's not like they're just bland. So it's interesting to get into each one's headspace for different situations that are happening. You know, like, one person will do one thing, but then another person in a similar situation will do something totally different. And it's it's fun to, like, put them in these situations and see how the ball rolls with it. Mm -hmm. I find that in my characters that I kind of also model them after who I want to be and not so much necessarily who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll make a lot of my characters, like, very bold. I'll make them very brave, which are, like, and they're, like, not afraid of anything, and they're very tough and, like, strict and right, stern. Right. And those are all things that I really don't see in myself, but, like, that I wish I had more of. Mm -hmm. And so I find that I kind of live a separate life, life through the lives of my characters. Yeah, I feel like a lot of writers do that, too. And it helps... Because when you're being, when you're making the characters like sort of an idealized version of yourself, it helps you to want to grow, but it can also help your readers to be a little bit more inspired for things that they don't think they're doing. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really cool thing about writing that made me want to get into it, uh, being able to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have a specific audience that you write for, like anybody that you really target that you want to read or? Mainly, I just try to say, well, I, I write some adult themes sometimes so I don't want like kids to read it but I tried anyone who likes to read I try to write for if I had to pick a demographic though it would be probably people around senior year in high school to about their 30s like mm -hmm. maybe the 18 to 30 range okay um, but good. really anyone can pick up something I read and just check it out and read it and be like I I see where he's coming from with this or maybe they won't and they'll just be like eh, put this down you know mm -hmm. readers you know how they do <laughs> so uh out of everything that you have written what would you say is your favorite work right now demigod it's been really it's been kind of tough these past few weeks to get I wanted to put it out on a weekly schedule but uh life happened and some things kept me busy this past few weeks so it's been really fun, but also a little frustrating, and there have been roadblocks that you have to go over, and uh, mm -hmm. it's been, it's made the work get closer to me as a writer, like, I, I'm writing it, and I feel, like, special about it, more special than the other things I've written, because I've written just, like, articles, but this is, like, a narrative, like, an actual novel, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, a. Uh, it's like my debut novel, so it's kind of huge for me, like, in a way. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's, it's something that's very special. I'm sure it always will be something right, right. very special, even after you've moved on and written more. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of feedback do you get from the people that read your stuff? I, I've seen mostly good things, but then again, my audience right now is kind of small, so it's mostly limited to family members and friends, so... I see the good things, I don't know, I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because most of the people I know probably aren't going to be like, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. um, I do have one fan uh, who comments on it and likes everything, so I met her on the internet, so I don't think she's just doing it to be nice because she has no reason to, like, I don't have a prior relationship with her. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I haven't gotten any really negative feedback aside from some grammatical issues. Um, I did give the first few chapters of Demigod to one of my friends who pointed out some of the things that they thought would be better for it, and it actually was. I went back and tweaked it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to get advice from other people sometimes. It's good to get advice not from people who are just going to say that they like it, like yes men, like people who will honestly sit down and think about it and say that I don't like this for this reason. Mm -hmm. um, I love... I love getting told that my stuff's good, but I would also like to see what could make it better. Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> um, hopefully I'll think life. of it coming back. <laughs> um, do you have any signature like techniques or quirks that you include in your writing? Any sty stylistic features? A little thing I like to do... Do you know the term breaking the fourth wall? Yes. It's like a film term, mm -hmm. but I like yes, I like I to kind of I kind of do a little subtle fourth wall breaks in almost everything I write. I like that. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really fun. It's a really it's a little fun uh, little cork like you said cork. 
work. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know words. I'm not right. <laughs> it's interesting when authors do that because it's something that I haven't seen from a ton of authors. Mm-hmm. But when they do that, it's like it's such an interesting technique to use that I feel like it really like grabs your attention mm-hmm. personally. It's, especially if you do it in the right spot because you can do it in the wrong spot and it like could just fall flat as a joke. But like I feel like. Like, with my writing style, I can't really explain it because not many people have seen it yet, but I do it in a way that you could easily miss it. Like, it won't take away from the the narration. That's why I think uh, you said a lot of people don't... You don't really see that a lot. I think because the narrators often in novels and stuff are very serious, and they don't want to lose their flow through a joke. But I feel like I can blend it where that I'm walking the line between seriousness and comedy in it. Like right. I try to I try to keep like a fun vibe for most of it until it gets sure. to the point where serious things start happening. Like mm-hmm. it is a story after all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a favorite author? Uh J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. He wrote those The Lord of the Rings right. and other things, The Hobbit. Um okay. those are his two biggest things. Of course. And then people have probably seen the movies too. Uh, I'm I model my writing style after him a lot. Mm-hmm. I love I just love his narration, his world building. He he created an entire language just for these stories that he makes, and I really admire that. I admire that detail so much. I want to put that amount of detail into the things that I write. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, he's he was a huge influence for me. I really again I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> um. I really enjoy Stephen King books because I'm a big horror fan. Oh, of course. He's a master of it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I really love his books. I don't really have a lot of authors that I love. I just love a lot of books. Same, same. There are... There's Tolkien that I really talk about, and I really connected with J.K. Rowling, Mm -hmm. uh, Harry Potter books. Yeah, those those were what made me want to start writing. Uh, Like, I read those first, and then I read Tolkien, but I feel like I like Tolkien more just through the world building and jk rowling's great at it too but the fantasy setting is a little bit better for me mm-hmm. in that aspect i like how he totally made this entire world like with jk rowling harry potter starts off in uh, england and then he goes to hogwarts in like a separate like realm kind of thing right and uh in jk no and J.R.R. tolkien stuff he just made an entire universe for right. this like it, it was they're both great i love them both so much like mm-hmm. if i had to pick two definitely those two yeah the interesting thing about authors is that like i guess you could say like it's much like the phrase with snowflakes how no two are exactly alike mm-hmm. because even there, there's similar writing styles that you could see authors use but i've never read a book that i thought was written entirely like another one right yeah like like you said, every author has their different little quirks, like the little style differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Stephen King, um, he's really great with suspense. Like mm-hmm. he can just keep you like on the edge of your seat the entire time you're reading it, as if you were watching a movie. He's just great with suspense. Uh, J.K. Rowling is great. Like not to say that Stephen King isn't, but she's great with character development. Right. And uh, they both just know story structure, although. In his writing, sometimes Stephen King falls a little flat on his endings, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. But J.K. Rowling, they, they both know how a story should be told That's perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that I keep drawing blanks. This is horrible. <laughs> it's just not my day. Is drawing a blank hard? You know, how do you draw a blank? <laughs> Sorry. I'm not funny, Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm not funny. <laughs> um, there was definitely something I wanted to say, but that's just how it is. Right. Sometimes guess, it just as, happens as that soon way. as I think of it, I just have to say it. I just have to cut you off and be like, wait, before okay. I forget. Sounds good, sounds good. Um, hopefully it comes back to me, but I don't think it will because none of the stuff I've forgotten <laughs> has come back to me. Um, so you you write, but you also work, of, like, you do, do you work full-time? At Burger King, yeah. Yeah, so you work full-time. So how do you manage to make time to write? Uh, coffee. I don't really get a lot of sleep, but I get enough to where it doesn't really bother me. Like, I, I sleep, like, maybe five hours instead of eight hours, mm-hmm. just because I work late here, so when I get done at Burger King, I go back home, and I get home at, like, one, and I just, I'm like, I don't want to go to sleep yet, so I'll write for a while. And then I'll write until, like, four and be like, oh, maybe I should go to sleep, and then 
sleep for a bit. And are you ever working? And like, as you're working, you're like thinking of ideas, or you're like, oh, I can't wait to just go home and write. Oh, all the time. I have my uh, people will see me with my phone out at work, like all the time. They'll assume, I do. Yeah, I have, yeah, I have yeah. That. They'll assume I'm like texting someone, but I'm I'm like always. I said it earlier. I'm always like thinking of something about writing. Like, whether or not I even realize it, and then it just pops into my head. But that's why I'll have my phone out. I'll just grab it and, like, take a note real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe if I thought of something that I wanted a character to say, like, I'll write down the dialogue. Or if I've been thinking about a scene that's been really important, but I can't quite put it together with the rest of the things, and I find that bridge, I'll write it down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's the beauty, especially now, because you have your phone in your pocket. It has a, a notepad on, like, every phone. You can just jot down anything at any time. It's, it's really great if you're a writer because you're always thinking about it. So you don't forget it as much if you can just write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember what I forgot. Um, going back to talking about like authors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also when you said about uh, break like the fourth wall. Um, Lemony Snicket, who writes the series oh my God, of unfortunate I forgot him. Yes. events books. Yes. That was like the first example that came to my mind because that's something that he really does a lot. But to be honest, I think he's the only one I know who does it. Like, and he doesn't just do it once or twice. Like, he will stop the action and just talk to you about nothing, like words for like two pages, and then be like, oh wait, okay, let's get back into it now. <laughs> His technique is just genius because you notice how he's always like giving you reasons like oh this is not a good book do not read this book if you want to read a happy book don't read this yeah, like, like immediately saying, like don't yeah. read this don't read this don't read this because he knows that that's what's going to get you to read right it. from the very start if you tell them not to read it they're gonna be like oh yeah right um fun do you know what that author's actual name is it's not actually lemony snicket well, I, I didn't knew know that, that. But I, I didn't know that, that until <laughs> last year I, I, that blew my mind i was 25 years old i don't know what it is <laughs> um you should do a little thing on your uh on your podcast that if anyone does oh uh, wait we can't do that they have the internet now they can just look it up sorry guys cheaters gonna, if gonna, anybody yeah. <laughs> if anybody knows without cheating please let me know yeah e- email her or just go up to her since you know you're in school <laughs> yeah if you know the real name of author lemony snicket please let me know they, there will be a prize yes and, and snacks yes <laughs> <laughs> the prize is snacks um so I know this is something I struggle a lot with, and I'm sure every writer does. But with me, it's like very bad. Do you suffer from writer's block? Yeah, um, I I always thought that writer's block didn't really exist. I always thought it's kind of like if your job is writing, and put a mirror up, and your job is like Burger King. You can't just go to Burger King and be like, you know, I don't know, I'm just not feeling it today, so I'm just not gonna do it. Like, you, that's what writers say when they get blocked. And I always thought that that was just, like, you know, just silly. But then I started writing more, and it's totally a thing. And you can't force it, because if you do, it ends up bad. Like, the only way for me to overcome writer's block is to just go outside for a little while and just walk around and, like, just get calm for a bit. Because there's certain mind states that you're in when you write, and some of them are tougher to write in than others. And I get really calm when I'm outside. So if I'm, like, blocked up for a few days, but I really just want to get to the pages and write more, I'll just go outside and just lay there for a little bit. Like, I'll put a blanket out in the grass and look up at the sky or something. You know, mm-hmm. hippie stuff. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Um, I started writing when I was about, I think I was, like, 11 or 12 years mm-hmm. old. And I, um, the first story I ever wrote was based off of a movie called Young Guns 2. I haven't. I heard of the. I think I've heard of the first one. It's it's a western with Emilio Estevez. Charlie Sheen is in the first one. Um, Christian Slater. Who else? Um, Kiefer Sutherland. That sounds like a good cast. Uh, Neil, not Neil. Yes, Neil. No, Lou. Neil Diamond. I was kind of hoping you were going to say Neil Patrick Harris, but that's cool. I get Neil Diamond and Lou Diamond Phillips mixed up, but it is a really good, (laughs) really, really good cast, and um, it's just, it's about Billy the Kid. Right. Um, So I, like, made a whole book about it uh, based off of the movie, but I, like, made uh, the main character a girl, and then she, like, joins Billy and the kid mm-hmm. and their gang and stuff and like that sounds really cool actually. yeah it was, it's awful I read through it and I didn't even use quotations oh my god and it was just awful but um 
I don't know. I guess because I, I love that movie so much, I consider it my favorite movie still. Right. Um, I just, I like wrote it so fast and I would go home from school and I would just want to write it. And I was, I wrote it like so quickly. I think I finished the whole thing within like a month. Like I was just obsessed with it. But, um, I found as I got older and I wrote more that it, like I would get writer's block more. Mm -hmm. And now it's like really hard for me to write. It, it, it seems to me that the older you get and the more you, you don't really lose imagination, but it does sort of change your imagination in a way. And I feel like the more it changes, the easier it is for you to get blocked. Mm -hmm. Like as an adult, you're a lot more cynical, I guess. Not you personally, but... I know what you mean. Like the world does have ways of making your view change from when you're in high school. Oh yeah, definitely. And I find that also like personally my characters as I like create new characters as I get older the characters get older right they too. like grow with you uh -huh. yeah and that's really interesting to see like if you're following your own career like how your writing progresses and the things you write about and the characters and the things that they go through like as opposed to what they were going through before for me anyway it's really interesting because I wrote um in notebooks I wrote basically this novel already in a notebook during high school but then after high school, I ended up being homeless for a bit, and I lost the notebook. Right. So I had to, like, start over, basically, from scratch. And then that's why I have a website now, instead of writing it on a notebook. <laughs> I hate losing it. I find that it's so hard to, like, start oh. over. Yeah, I lost uh, 30 pages of the manuscript the other day. I mean, I was able to rewrite them, but it felt literally, well, figuratively, like a part of me went with it. Like, it's... If you're writing something really close to you and you lose it, it's devastating. Like, you yeah. almost give up, like, straight up. I almost stopped writing. You definitely lose a part of you. Yeah. It's like, what am I even doing this for? Exactly. Like, this whole time, I've been spending the past two months writing this, and now, hey, I've only gotten, like, 36 pages so far. Like, that's not really as slowly as I want to be writing it. And then, B, I just lost, like, 20, so I have to start from there, so that's fun. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I got I got through it, though. It's not easy, but... No, it... but you, you, as a writer, you really have no choice. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to yeah. eventually pull yourself up if you want to continue with that's, it. That's the job. I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions. I feel like a lot of people think that it's an easy craft, and it's, like, so far from it. It's... Because, like, it's a little different than other jobs, because you can get blocked, and that does stop you from putting out good work and yeah. that's why sometimes you get delays and then the fans don't understand that exactly and they get upset about the delays um george rr R. martin gets delayed so much he wrote a uh, song of ice and fire game of thrones mm -hmm. and then before his series was done he went and started the show on hbo and then the show caught up to his books and he finished the show without finishing the series so that's weird to me like i understand that things come up as a writer but it feels like it's been so long that if you can finish your show you can probably finish your book but again writing is not as easy as you think it is mm -hmm. from the outside like even I even it's much harder than I even thought and I've been wanting to do this since I was 10. <laughs> I also find with writer's block that sometimes I use other forms of writing to get through it like for example if I'm working on a story and I can't think of anything for the story, I'll take a break from it and I'll write a poem. Right. And I'll, like, just spit out whatever because I find poems are easier to write because you just, like, put out whatever. So whatever I think of comes to mind, I just make a poem. And um, then I read it back and sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's crap. Like, it... it, it that's everything as yeah. a writer. Sometimes you put out something good and sometimes you see something you're like, I don't think I'm going to put this out. <laughs> it's just the, like... The process of getting through it that's really hard but mm -hmm. it's so worth it yeah, oh my end, god you know? at the end it's fantastic yeah. when you finish something so like i was talking about how i got my inspiration from like movies and stuff and i just i love old movies i love old music i love old people and i find <laughs> that i get a lot of inspiration from past things that maybe i wasn't even born for yet but like yet i feel like i'm there and i find that inspires my writing as well so do you consider yourself an old soul uh, not exactly old, but I have the same thing going on in a way that you have it going on with the older things, just in different cultural things. Like, I've been, I've been looking a lot into Japanese stuff lately, mm -hmm. like anime and uh, their kind of music, 
and their their styles are similar to American writing, but obviously there's so many cultural differences. It's been really fun to like. Like I've been watching anime in the Japanese, but I've been watching it with English subtitles so I can like see the dialogue, and it's just I didn't think that it would be as good as it is. Like that sounds, it sounds kind of off when you think I'm gonna watch a TV show, but I don't know what they're saying, so I'm gonna watch subtitles. Right. It's but it's like you can still see what's happening if you're watching, and you can still see the words at the same time through your peripheral vision. So. It's not like you're missing anything, and it's kind of like reading a TV show.、Mm-hmm. It's it's been really fun.、Uh, I've been getting really inspired by anime lately.、Mm, so I guess I guess I wouldn't consider myself an old soul. I'm not exactly sure what、mm-hmm. that means. I mean, I just I guess it kind of the definition is what you think it is, but like I consider it like I. Don't I definitely don't feel like I belong in my generation because、okay. I do like some things like I have a phone I have social media I listen to some newer、mm-hmm. music but overall like physically I feel like I belong in a different time like、right. I feel like I should have lived in the like th- anywhere from like the fifties through the eighties I feel like I should have been there and. When I come across people like my grandmother, for example, I find that even though we're from two completely different time periods, I relate to her、mm-hmm. so much, and so that's what it is to me. Like、right. literally, like in a literal sense, I feel like my soul is old, like from a different. Like, I feel like I was, I'm from a different time. In that aspect, yes, I do, and I I identify with that with the different time, like feeling like you're different from a different time. But te- the technology now is so great, so it's not like. I don't like being in this time, but I feel like I would have excelled better in, which is interesting to say because it was a much harder time to live back then. Like in the old medieval times, like with the sword fighting, like、uh, Lord of the Rings has a lot of sword fights in it, and、uh, Game of Thrones does too. And I've always liked those genres a lot more than、uh, some of the other genres around.、Um, So you go like way back. Yeah, like, like way like back. Yeah,、really. yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it is. It's fun. <laughs>、uh, my dad always said that he felt like he should have been in the Western times, like back in the wild, wild west, with like、um, drawing a blank on his name. Turns out it is hard to draw a blank. <laughs> 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 with like Billy the Kid and those. If was he fictional? Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid. No. No. Yeah. So he he wanted to be like an outlaw, because my dad sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be an outlaw after I watched Young Guns too. I was obsessed with Billy the Kid. I was like, I want to be Billy、yeah. the Kid. <laughs> and I like got up in front of my class once, and I started teaching people about Billy the Kid. And, like, oh my god! So my favorite western is Breaking Bad. If you haven't <laughs> seen that, you should check it out. <laughs> Um, it's a very mature series, so for some of you younger viewers out there, I don't recommend it. Viewer discretion advised, definitely. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like I was telling you, I expand my writing through poetry, and also I, I'm also a songwriter. Like I'm very big into music. That's awesome. So, thank you. So, do you ever expand your writing to other things besides、yeah. like books? Um, besides the articles, I've actually I've written a few haikus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that、uh, for the people who don't, that's like a Japanese form of poetry.、Yes. Uh, it goes by line syllables. You do five syllables and then seven syllables and then five again. It's just three lines of poetry. But、um, lately, I've been writing songs too.、Um, I've been listening to a lot of Eminem. Okay. And I've been writing, not really raps, but like songs、mm-hmm. that, like I, I, he's one of my biggest influences. So I'm gonna. Sing similarly to him, but it's I wouldn't call it exactly rapping. If somebody asked me what my songs were, but I've been writing lyrics down、uh, in notebooks. I haven't put anything out yet, but I've been writing them down a lot. And like you said earlier, it's really good if you're struggling with a narrative to just take a break and go and write a song or write a poem or、mm-hmm, something. Definitely, it, it it's it's a different like switch in your brain,、mm-hmm. and you can just flip it real quick and、yes. then. As you're doing it, you kind of burn it out, and then you can flip it back to the other switch, and it's like, oh, now I see things that I haven't because I wasn't thinking about it for a bit. Yeah, Eminem is definitely an author in his own right. Oh, he's an he's an amazing writer. I mean, his songwriting is incredible. I like. I always use the example of the song "Stan," like that is、yep. such 
like you tell a story like through that like just just, line after line it's a story and as it unfolds and by the end the ending of that song gives me chills every single time every single time time. he just says damn that's the last thing like damn like what am i gonna do about that now i'm like oh i just and then throughout the song the first three verses are a fan uh, he's Anyone who doesn't know this song, go look it up. Again, listener discretion advised because it's Eminem. Download a clean version, kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) But he sings these first three verses from the perspective of a fan of his who's writing him a letter. Right. And the raw emotion throughout these three verses that he's portraying just... You hear Eminem and the first thing that a lot of people think are like, oh, he's... He's really controversial. He curses a lot. He's a psychopath. He's a psychopath, <laughs> yeah. But then he puts out a song like Stan with this emotion. Another song, Sing for the Moment, it's called. It's off the album after yeah. that one. Just, yeah, just, yeah. Just the emotion that he puts into his songs makes him so great. That's how you can be this controversial. And he doesn't get a lot of airtime on the radio. And when he does, it's not his good songs that are out there. Like, their songs on the radio are good, obviously. But his best songs don't get any radio play because he's so controversial I agree. and it's it's upsetting to me i'm sure it's frustrating to him but that's how you can have like one or two songs off your album on a radio every time you put one out but you're still doing it for 20 years like he's been consistent like bands come and bands go but he's he's sticking around still it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah i i feel bad because i feel like he's definitely an artist who's been restricted in writing and like I just feel like as an artist you should be able to express your art freely you shouldn't have to deal with like constantly being battered but like you kind of have to I feel like because there's you're never gonna be liked by everybody exactly he's gotten he's had so many battles with censorship though censorship he's had court bad have court battles over people saying he slanders them when he isn't he's not he knows the definition of slander and he isn't slandering anyone but they'll sue him his mother sued him tried to get 10 million dollars from him (laughs) because she said that he slandered him and he won the case because he didn't it's like these people they hear the songs and they hear what he says and they get so angry because oh man i wouldn't i wouldn't want to hear that word again and they just protest him and that's a thing another thing he's gotten through court battles through slander he's gotten protested people trying to shut down his concerts it's ridiculous and as a writer that makes me angry because they're trying to censor him and yeah he says fuck uh, i probably shouldn't curse uh, no, don't. yeah he says some bad words every now and then but like that doesn't mean he's a bad guy like it's you should go listen to his albums <laughs> listen to the clean ones they are very good i definitely recommend listening to them even if you don't listen to the clean versions because i believe that profanity in music is it, it should stay there because I feel like it was intended to be there. It was expre- he was expressing himself. Right. And so obviously we that word can't. choice is important. Right, obviously we can't play that on the radio because mm-hmm. you just because, can't. Yeah, you but can't like, have kids just listening to some of the content right. he puts and, out. And that I understand because he does get graphic sometimes. Mm, that's, he, he kind of is a psychopath. <laughs> right, but as an artist, I feel like everything should be up for interpretation Absolutely. and everybody should be able to freely express themselves however they no want. Doubt. I agree 100%. So, um, so what do you think is the most important thing to making a good story? For some people it's character, for some people it's plot, for some people it's setting. Like, what do you think? I think it's the perfect blend of all of that. The, the structure and pacing are also important to me. Um, basically, every story kind of works the same way, if you've heard of story structure, and you're, you might have learned it already in school, but mm-hmm. you start off with, hell, I'll just explain it, um, you start off with exposition, that's where you introduce your characters to your story, um, and then you go into what's called rising action, and that's character development, this happens throughout, like, the second thirds, the, uh, second and thirds of, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, and then you get to the climax, which is the turning point of the story. That's what, that's where, like, the important thing happens. Like, the big thing that you remember in the story. And then from there, it's resolution, which wraps up all the plot points that have already been up to in that point. And, my, and to me, the most important thing to me, uh, I'll, I'll, do, I'll pick three, like, as number one, because I, I, they're all equally important to me. Uh, your character development, your pacing, and your resolution. Like, climax is important, too, but I feel like your resolution is more important than your climax because you have to wrap up your story, everything that's been happening, and sometimes you forget and leave loose ends if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. And a bad resolution... Like, a, a story can end on a sad note. Like, you can... 
you can have your hero die a terrible violent death at the end of your story but if that resolution makes sense that's okay like it's okay to end your story sadly but if you end your story in a way that isn't satisfying like with a bad resolution like your main character goes through all these troubles and problems and then doesn't learn anything in the end from it and doesn't grow like then what was the point of your writing what was the point of the character development Mm -hmm. that's my opinion this is all subjective of course i mean i just find that like i get really i get really attached to my characters that Mm -hmm. i create where it's almost in a sense that they're real because i like connect myself so much with them that it almost feels like I'm friends with them. Right. When I get really into it, they feel like my kids. Like, I created them. And so, when something occurs where I have to make something bad happen... Well, I don't have to make anything bad happen to them. But when it's, like, appropriate or when I want to, I I find that it's hard to do so. Because, like, I hurt that character and I feel like I'm hurting myself. I'm writing... I write more stories than just the novel I'm working on right now. And, um, one of the big ones I'm writing is supposed to be a series. Uh, it's planned on being a series, but I'm not, like, a published author yet, and I don't have a fan base, so that's... I'm waiting a little bit. And in the series, I just killed a character, and because it had to happen for the story. Mm-hmm. But it was really hard, because I loved the character, so I had to take a little bit of a break from that series. I took, like, two weeks just to kind of clear my head after writing that uh, I do that sometimes. Like I get too in, I get too invested with my I, writing. I completely re- can relate to that. I feel like it can really take a lot out of you. Yeah, it's it's draining. And the same thing with books. Like sometimes I'll read a story, and after I put it down, I'm like, Whew, I like <laughs> I need a break from it because it was just very intense. No doubt. Um, so how do you find that? You know, writing has overall helped you grow as a person like what have you really learned from it it's been a great outlet like when I'm having a bad day or if just a bunch of things just seem like they're not going right in my life I'll just sit down and write and I'll just write something for maybe 20 minutes I'll write in a journal I'll write a story I'll write a song or something and it it's like some people get angry and they go down into their basement and punch their punching bag for a little bit or they do a workout or some push-ups and to me like they let out stress that way and they feel better when they're done and to me it's the same thing I'll go and I'll write down some pages and I'll go back and read them and I'll just forget about it puts when you're writing you go into your own world and I I like being there especially when I'm in a bad mood (laughs) I agree I think that it's a way to escape yes no doubt um so obviously you're really on the road to accomplishing a lot with your writing and you've, oh, thank you. you've of course and you've you know come a long way since you've started I'm sure so uh, what's next for you what goals do you hope to achieve in the future first I want to like I said I'm putting the first three chapters of Demigod up and I want to finish that and I want to get that published next year like I, I think it can be published I think the writing's good enough so I just need to find the right people the mm-hmm. publishers the managers in that industry and I really think that once that novel comes out, that'll be a good, like, beginning. Um, also, I've been doing other things aside from that on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, uh, at Antarctica, and... <laughs> yes, that's, per- that's perfect. <laughs> I put up some lyric videos there. I did a little bit of rapping that I put on there. I've, oh, okay. I practiced with some Eminem songs I put four on, mm-hmm. and now I'm, I'm writing my own stuff, and I'm going to start putting that out there, too. So, in addition to the writing career, I also want to have a little bit of a YouTube channel going on. That's like, good. I'm, I'm going to start maybe streaming video games, and every Wednesday, I'm going to review a movie. Uh, I'm going to do Annabelle Comes Home. I don't know if you've oh, heard of that I, one. I, I've wanted to see mm-hmm. it. See, I, I went in completely blind. I went to Redbox and just picked a random movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. They say that uh, machines can do Burger King worker jobs, but they can't because you need customer service. But a machine <laughs> literally could do Blockbuster's job. That's what Redbox is now. So <laughs> I went there and I picked a random movie, and it was Annabelle Comes Home, and I had no idea what it was, and I've never heard of it. I mean, I've heard the title, and I knew it was about, a, like, there was a doll in it, that's it. So, I watched it, and I was like, this is a this is a good movie, and I made a scale, a six-point scale that I'm going to explain in the YouTube channel on what I'm going to rate movies on, and um, 
if I recommend them or not. And I absolutely recommend this one. And what I didn't know is that it was a sequel, too. I watched a sequel without any knowledge of the first one, and I didn't need the information to enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. And the movie was, like, great, like, on its own. I, I, I said a six-point scale, I gave it a six. But my favorite movie right now that I think everyone in America should see, it's a, it's a horror movie, so, you know, brace yourselves, viewer discretion advised. It's called Us, just U.S., just check it out it's I have really heard of good that. i did not see that it's really good it's scary it's creepy but i love a good there's a movie. great message yeah yeah you'll like you'll love it then um do you know key and peel jordan michael peel I, th- I think his middle name is michael i'm not sure mm-hmm. um yeah i think i butchered that actually their names but uh key and peel are comedians on uh they were on comedy central and one of them jordan is branching out into films and well they're both branching out but he wrote this and directed it and well i think he wrote it i know he directed it and it's really good and i recommend it to all the people it's my favorite movie again just called us sorry plug in other people's work (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's part of being an artist too. true true (laughs) um so uh, we were talking a little bit about fans and like who you write for and stuff and who would you say is your biggest supporter oh my god so ever since the beginning i've had one huge supporter who I did not know like she just found me on Twitter one day I was like trying to build more of a fan base on Twitter and in a couple days I got from 17 followers to a thousand followers and I got one person from those thousand followers as a true fan now um I have a Patreon do you know what a Patreon page is yes I have one of those and I have um she's subscribed like she's literally paying me three dollars a month to create content and put it out so that makes me technically a professional writer in my yeah, opinion it does. so her name is gina moyer i think that's how i pronounce her last name uh, if she's listening to this and i butchered it sorry but um <laughs> i i try to she's doing good things too like with writing she's a writer too uh she has a facebook page you can find uh if you just look up gina moyer i guess um you know plug her later but this is about me sorry gina but um, she's <laughs> she's been so supportive and just see comments on my stuff and not really a lot of other people have, like, including my friends. Like, on my Snapchat story, I can see who sees it, like, who watches it, and my friends will watch it and Gina watches it, but then Gina will come and comment about it, too. And, like, I think that's so cool because, like, I have no prior relationship with this person and she just is interested in the things that I'm doing and likes talking about it. So it's really cool to me that mm-hmm. I have, like, I've connected with somebody and I haven't even put anything out yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so obviously, as writers, we've read a lot of books. Um, and what, yeah. what ones would you say are, like, more underrated books that you recommend people read? Underrated? I don't know if you can count a series of unfortunate events as underrated, but... I, I mean, I feel like it's very, like, they've kind of, like, they made a series about it now. It's on Netflix, and yeah. And it's, I kind of don't like, honestly, I don't like the direction they're taking with it. Because I saw, I'm sorry to cut you off, I saw the first episode, and the tone felt off to me. Cause it just feels like they're making it very kind of, like, you know, childish Family, family friendly, yeah. yeah. And Which it's not an unfamily friendly series of books, but the tone in the books is a lot it's darker. A, it's very ominous. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more... Like, the first thing he says is, yo, this is a, this is a bad story. Maybe, yeah. maybe don't read it. <laughs> I feel like they definitely add more, like, comic relief Yeah, to and it. it's understandable, I guess, because with streaming especially you can get access to anything easily like anyone can like a kid can just find anything so you have to be a little bit careful with your content but i don't know i think you gotta stay with the source material on that one i agree but i love neil patrick harris so i'm gonna finish it i'm gonna finish the series but um underrated books uh there's this one and i have no other information other than the title that i read when i was a kid it's called a house on awful end Mm -hmm. and it's similar to a series of unfortunate events in the tone, but it's a little more comedic, too. Like, actually, he's another writer. I wish I knew his name. I feel really bad plugging him without knowing his name. But uh, he breaks the fourth wall a little bit. Um, I see we're going a little long here, so I'm going to try to No, it's go good. As long as we go under an hour. <laughs> oh, okay, cool, good. cool, cool. Uh, R.L. Stein. He was the first... Uh, Goosebumps. Yeah, Goosebumps books. He was the first author I ever had an autograph from. Oh, really? I met him. Yeah, oh, I, I so met cool. him in uh, Philadelphia in the Franklin Institute, and he gave. He was like, in front of the entire auditorium, giving uh, like a speech about writing, and he's like, "Let's just make a story right now." And he started telling a story, and he started picking people from the audience to like, 
contribute to the story and we all just wrote a story like mm-hmm. in an audience with them it was great uh and then sadly when i was homeless i lost the book with his signature in it so hopefully someday i can meet him meet up with him again That'd and get his great. autograph back uh right now i'm reading one called aurora rising this one was put out in 2019 so it's new um it's by amy kaufman and it was co-written by jay his last name is hard to remember but the book's called aurora rising and anyone should check it out if anyone has seen firefly the show they know that it got canceled too soon and also they know that it was really good and the beginning the first 30 chapters i'm not chapters the first 30 pages reminded me a lot of firefly Mm -hmm. and then out of nowhere it branches into its own thing and everything starts rolling and i've been really enjoying it i haven't finished it yet but it's going to be a series so i feel like i have plenty of time (laughs) uh that's I can't call Lord of the Rings underrated, but I do want to tell people to read that. So sure. read Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and our last question for the day, Mark. Do you have any advice going forward for aspiring writers like myself? Yeah. If you're writing and it gets hard and you're blocked and you feel like you don't want to do it anymore, just take some time and think about it because I almost gave up the other day when I lost my manuscript pages. Mm-hmm. And I had some my friends give me some advice, and I went out on a little nature walk and cleared my head. And the only time that somebody is truly going to be considered a failure is if they have potential and they don't live up to it. And if you give up on your writing, as a writer, you've given up on the potential that you have. And you shouldn't. You should write, if, especially if you're having trouble with it, write for yourself. Don't worry about other people. Just write what speaks to you. And if somebody sees it, they'll connect to it if it speaks to them. And if not, no big deal. Um, I don't make quotes a lot, but I, I came up with one. I was almost homeless again recently. And I came up with this silly little quote that sounds like a cliche, but I've also never heard of it. It's, when life gives you lemons, but you hate the taste of lemonade, smile and drink up because it could have been a gift and you were probably already thirsty so yeah hashtag deep also one more um (laughs) don't believe everything you read on the internet and that was said by ben franklin (laughs) okay well that's great advice from mark thank you for joining us today mark no thank you for having me it was awesome first this is my first interview i really appreciate you taking consideration well i'm very honored and i'm i hope that you know going forward that things happen for you because i think you're great writer and a great person and i think you're really gonna go far i really appreciate that so much thank you so much (laughs) um for everybody listening uh thank you for tuning in um and until next time stay creative stay curious and have a great name right on (laughs) get it right on oh sorry